Merry Christmas, everybody. Welcome. So glad that you're here today. We're talking about the Grinch and how his life was transformed. I want to thank the Marvin family who has read our scripture text for today, Matthew chapter two. And here's what I want to talk about today. Very specifically, we're in a series called I'm dreaming of, and I want to talk about how your dreams come true. What can we learn from Matthew chapter two that is going to move us forward in your dreams coming true or my dreams coming true? Is there something very strategic that we can learn here as revealed to us in the Bible? So here we go. I just want to review these first two verses from Matthew chapter two. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod. So now we, we, we're getting some framework here. Herod is the king. He's a very evil king. He's a very self-centered king. He's a very miserable king. So it's during the time these people show up and their name are the Magi. We might call them the wise men, the Magi, whatever. Uh, and I'm going to describe them in just a minute, but they show up. And the question is, why do they show up? And it says they come from the East. And that is really interesting that they're coming from the East because you see the story in the Bible from Genesis chapter one is people keep moving eastward. And that represents moving away from God. Last week, I spoke about these two different trees, right? The tree of life, which is a God-directed life, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which is a self-directed life. That's the one that we should not eat of. So a lot of talk about trees, and as people kept eating from this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the self-directed life, they kept moving east. And now all of a sudden, you've got a group of people from the east, from Babylon, which is modern-day Iraq, that are moving west, what does that represent? Well, obviously, they are choosing the God-directed life. That, that's, that's what's fascinating here. And we talked about trees so much two weeks ago. Today, we're going to talk about stars. So it says, they're coming, they, they're coming to Jerusalem. And they asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? You got to ask yourself, why are they interested? They're from Babylon. Why are they interested in the king of the Jews? And you got to know this is going to really freak out Herod because he was just a fanatic. He was a control freak. He was a miserable control freak. So he said, we're interested in one born king of the Jews. And then he says, we see the star. Okay. Listen, the Bible talks, as I said, two weeks ago, so much about trees, so much about trees. Other than God and humanity, it is the number one thing referenced that is living. The number one living thing referenced in the Bible is trees. You're like a tree planted. Jesus Christ is a tree and we have to be grafted into the tree to bear fruit. So trees, trees everywhere. You don't have to worship trees to learn a lot about God by studying trees. The Bible's filled with trees. You don't have to worship them. But we study trees to learn more about God. The same is true about the stars, sun, moon, and stars. They declare God's glory. You don't have to worship them because that's what they did in the ancient world. But the Bible says, no, don't do that. They're created things. You don't have to worship the sun to learn a lot about God by studying the sun, moon, and stars. The heavens declare the glory of God. Why did the Magi show up? Who are the Magi? People put wise men or Magi on their lawns, church lawns, family lawns, all across America. So we're aware of them. But why in the world did they show up? Now, I want to say one thing before we just dive straight into my main point today, which is how does your dreams come true? And what does Matthew 2 inform us about our dreams coming true? And that is this. They're looking for the king of the Jews. They're looking for a kingdom. 
Here's a great trivia question for those of us who have been in the Bible a long time. I say I was birthed in a, on a pew somewhere, right? Um, what is the number one thing that Jesus Christ spoke about? Right? What did he talk the most about? Did he talk about love? Did he talk about loving God, loving neighbors? Did he talk about the gospel? What did he talk the most about? Throw it in the chat if you know. What did he talk? He talked hands down about something more than anything else. The answer is the kingdom. Now, here's the key point and why I bring that up right now. The kingdom. We think of the kingdom as a place, but in the Bible, a kingdom is an action. And there's the first point for our dreams coming true. The Magi had a dream and they were willing to travel more than 1,000 miles with a huge entourage of people because they were taking action. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of Jesus, which Jesus talked about more than anything else, is an action. You have to act. We're living in a nightmare, the nightmare of COVID. Somebody is going to have to act in order for the nightmare to end. And for your dreams to come true, you are going to have to act. The kingdom is an action. It's an action that you take. So two weeks ago, I said, get a notebook. We handed these notebooks out at TJ two weeks ago. Get a notebook, write every dream down. Habakkuk 2.2, write down the vision. God is saying for you and for me that we should write our vision down. Everything from world peace to a parking space. I don't care. Put it all down, but put Jesus at the top because that represents the tree of life. Jesus is the tree of life, a God-directed life. And then everything flows from there. If you start there, you can go absolutely anywhere. This is very important. We're going to keep coming back to these notebooks, keep coming back to these dreams and these visions that they might come true. But we're going to have to get very strategic very strategic, as the Magi did, and that's what we can learn from them. I want to say a couple things about the Magi um, here, which I think are important, because why do they play such a big role? And why are they showing up? And what's up with this star? Doesn't that ever, like, I mean, we're so familiar with the Christmas story, but these Magi, these Magi guys, what's going on? How are they showing up? All right, here's the thing. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, major swaths of the Bible are all about Babylon. Babylon comes in. King Nebuchadnezzar comes in, totally destroys Jerusalem, like levels the place, tears down Solomon's temple, takes a ton of, kills a bunch of people, treats people brutally, takes a bunch of people away, like Daniel, the elite of the elite, like Daniel, back to Babylon. Now, we know that Daniel influenced the Magi greatly. Uh, the king, Neb- king Neb- Nebuchadnezzar has a dream, calls the Magi. They can't interpret. Daniel does. Some people say, some scholars say that Daniel became the leader of the Magi. We don't know that for sure, but what we do know for sure is he strongly influenced them. And Daniel, in the book of Daniel, gives us a timeline to look for the Messiah. We are looking for a deliverer who is going to deliver us and bring God's good kingdom here on earth. Justice and mercy and love and quit the bloodshed and all the injustice, right? We're looking, looking, looking. And Daniel gives us a timeline. This is fascinating. I didn't know this for years. Maybe you've been into the Bible for years and like, well, I never heard about this. Daniel gives us a specific timeline during the time of Christ, his birth of Christ, to look for the Messiah. If you are a person and you've never been to church before, never really, you know, opened a Bible before and you're here today just peeking over the top saying, what is this about? I mean, I know it's affected the world and Christmas and blah, blah, blah. Is there any evidence? Well, Daniel, clearly written. Nobody's arguing that. 
way before the birth of Christ, gave us a timeline and said, during this time frame, just so happens to be during the time of the birth of Christ, look for the Messiah to be born. So the Magi live in a country that are major leagues, like the leaders and students of the stars. They, they were the world leaders in studying the stars. Okay. That's who they are. So that's who the Magi are. That's the country. That's what they're famous for. That's where we live in. So when Isaiah writes this famous Christmas prophecy in Isaiah 7, 14, behold, the virgin will be with child. How do you think that the Magi, students of the stars, would then interpret those lines. How would they hear? Here's the other thing. When I think about scripture, I really think a lot about Israel and particularly Jerusalem. But a major influence in scripture is what is happening with the Jewish people as they are in Babylon. The Babylonian Talmud is a really big deal. I was like, that is the major force in understanding rabbinic Judaism. So a big, big deal. A lot of what is happening in the Bible is happening in Babylon. The book of Revelation, so much about Babylon. So this plays a major role. That's where the Magi are from. Here they come, coming west. They're following a star. They're students of the stars. If you look up to the stars, the astrological signs, and I want to say this, in Jewish synagogues, From the ancient Near East, we have found zodiac symbols, signs. This is not horoscopes. No. But they believed, the Jewish people believed, as God's word says in Genesis 1, the sun, the moon, the stars created by God, not to be worshipped by God, are signs of the times, the signs and the seasons. Or, as Psalm 19 famously says, the heavens declare the glory of God. And now you're in a country famous for studying the sun, moon, and the stars. Famous. And the Magi are the elite of the elite at studying the stars. And here they arrive at the same time that Jesus Christ is born. I don't think that's a coincidence. So here they come. Now, when the Apostle Paul is justifying the fact that we have information that Jesus Christ is that Messiah that arrives. In Romans chapter 10, what does he quote saying that every people has seen this? He quotes Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. And in Psalm 19, 4, which is what he quotes, he says these words, did they not hear? Of course they did. Their voice has gone out into all the earth, their words to the end of the world. Whose words? The heavens, the sun, the moon, and the stars. How? Well, Revelation 12. Many times we think about prophecies and how they look forward, but so much of the Bible, some of the Bible talks us about what's going ahead forward. Like Daniel, I gave the timeline a minute ago. But much of this, we get into this hocus pocus stuff sometimes by saying, we try to read the Bible, oh, that's looking forward, it's looking forward. But so much of the Bible is actually looking past And that's what Revelation 12 is doing. It's looking back and how we can interpret. And so the apostle John is writing saying, look, the heavens are declaring the glory of God. Jesus Christ is the Messiah. Look how he describes it. A great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and she cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Now, I'm just going to give you one way to look at this. It's calculated. It's strategic. It's evidence-based. 
faith in the Bible, and we'll get so much into this in January, is not the same concept that we have about faith today. Biblical faith is different. It's evidence-based. Evidence-based. When we talk about faith today, we say, oh, you believe something, zero evidence. Biblical faith is evidence-based. Okay, so what is going on here about this woman? What is this date where Virgo, the virgin will be with child, has the sun clothing the virgin, Virgo, and the moon is right at her feet. What is that day? We can calculate this down to a day, even more than that. When all of these, this unique situation totally lines up, we can calculate it actually down to a 90 minute window. That day, everybody, is Tishri 1. Can you believe it? Tishri 1. Now, that's the Jewish calendar, Tishri 1. But the date, and don't freak out, is September the 11th, 3 BC. Now, Tishri 1, September the 11th, 3 BC, also happens to be Rosh Hashanah, when the Jewish people celebrated the creation of the world. And it's when we remember that creation will be born again. So it is on that day that we are celebrating the fact that everything is going to be born again. It is also the Feast of Trumpets. The Feast of Trumpets is the day that every king in the line of King David remembered their inauguration day when their reign began. So the reign of kings in the line of David began on Tishri 1, which also happens to be September the 11th, 3 BC, which also happens to be the day that Virgo is clothed by the sun and the moon is under the feet, and the Magi are watching for that, and they show up. They begin their journey, and they show up about a year later in Bethlehem. So everybody, the Magi show up, and how does Herod react? Herod is a talented, a rich, incredibly smart, influential, savvy politician, miserable. He's absolutely miserable. He builds the temple which is one of the wonders of the ancient world. He has a powerful, it's a very powerful rulership kingdom that is there, but he's miserable, just like the Grinch, totally self-focused. I just want to pick up and read some of these verses, selected verses in Matthew 2. So when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. Of course he was. <laughs> Where's the king of the Jews? Like, I'm the king of the Jews. So somebody as fanatical as he was, I, he killed many of his family members because he was fearing they were threatening his throne. He's very disturbed. So all Jerusalem gets disturbed with him, which that's what it says. And all Jerusalem with him. When he called together all the chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them, where's the Messiah to be born? In Bethlehem and Judea, they replied, of course, because there were prophecies. Again, looking forward, where's the Messiah to deliver? When is all this injustice going to get overturned? When is goodness and love going to come into play? It's going to start. It's going to start in Bethlehem. In Bethlehem, they replied. Verse 9. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over a place where the child was. Now, I can talk more about that, but I've already done a bunch of stuff about stars. But there's more information there. I'm going to keep moving on. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and they worshipped. They worshipped him. Human beings are worshipers. We want to fix our eyes on something, someone, something, and we worship, and that influences everything about our lives. That is why it's important that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of all of Scripture, 
the one who does not fail, that we follow him because he is the one who acts and reacts and all of those wonderful things he does, and he does it in perfection. So they worship him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been, here it comes, warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. I want to talk about dreams. What is a dream in the ancient world? Today, when we think about dreams, we often think about, oh, you had a dream? Tell me about your dream. I want to know about your dream because I want to figure out what's going on on the inside of you. Why did you have that dream? What's happening inside of you? But in the biblical world, when you had a dream, it wasn't about what was going on the inside of you. It was about what was going on on the outside of you. Completely different focus. It wasn't a self serving focus. It was an other serving focus that God was giving divine communication about the world, about others, not just you. It was an other focus. So it was a serving focus. They were warned in a dream not to serve the selfish kingdom of Herod, not to be like the Grinch who was totally caught up with himself. Now look, the Grinch, he had a tough life. He's a little kid. He was mistreated. The mayor of the town treated him wrong. You can watch the movie. He was hurt. Hurt people hurt people. And so he hurt people. Broken people break people. Confused people confuse people. So there was good reason of why he was hurt. And some of us are really hurting now. We're blue. Blue Christmas is a real deal. Okay, but how are we going to turn that around, get out from underneath the nightmare of Herod, get out from underneath the nightmare of the Grinch and experience our dreams coming true? How is that going to happen? We have to be servants. We have to serve his kingdom, but not just anything. We talk about service all the time. Today, I want to focus on something very specific, and that is that we can't just serve randomly, I want to ask you to consider serving strategically, to strategically serve just like the Magi did. They had a dream. They were focused on the heavens. They were looking at the stars for the purpose of his kingdom, and they were serving in a very, very strategic way. So I've asked you to write in your notebooks, Habakkuk 2.2, write down the vision. I'm encouraging you to do exactly what the Bible says, to write down the vision, but put Jesus at the top, to keep this, and to be focused like the Magi, service. What does service do? To be like Jesus is to serve other people. When people are suffering depression, one of the practical things we do, kingdom member means to act, we get them serving others, not themselves. Whether it's depression, PTSD, anxiety, stress, if we want to have meaning, purpose, serving other people is like a powerful drug powerful drug. If it was a drug, it might be the most powerful drug on the market today. So I want to call you to serve, but I want to call you to strategically serve. And here is what I mean by that. Now I mentioned a number of weeks ago, and this quote is still just, ah, just right there. I want you to hear this. Simon Sinek, the why guy who's done so much research says, quote, service is the thing. He looked at the 12 step program. He says the 12th step in the 12 step program to end those 12 steps out is, is to help somebody else maintain their sobriety. That there's power in that serving the other people, other people with your dream. Your dream is sobriety. So help somebody else strategically achieve their dream, their dream of sobriety. And I want to ask you to consider doing the same thing. I said a few weeks ago, people go to church because they want to encounter God. You're here today because you want to encounter God. 
serve Grace Community Church in some shape or fashion so that other people can encounter God, so that your dream of encountering God would come true. But I want to add to that today. And remember the notebook. Maybe you want to write some things down here. I'm going to give you some things to think about, but maybe you want to write some things down. They're really important. If you're in debt, maybe you need to serve other people in a way of helping them get out of their own debt. We have Financial Peace University. But that's not all. There's all kinds of ways that maybe God will put on your heart. How can I help somebody else get out of debt? What could I do? Not just pray for them. Of course, pray. But what else could I do to help them get out of debt? Addiction, as I mentioned a a moment ago. If you are suffering from addiction, can you help somebody else strategically? Can you strategically serve like the Magi did? Can you serve... Can you serve that dream? That dream is outside of yourself, not inside of yourself. It's externally focused, not internally focused. Can you help somebody get free of an addiction? Can you do that? Okay, how about this? How about marriage? You want to have an awesome marriage. Can you help somebody else have an awesome marriage? Maybe you want to have kids. A lot of people want to have kids. We have this desire to have kids. It's so awesome to have a child. I mean, kids are a gift from God. What can you do to serve somebody else? Either to help with their kids or can you serve and grace kids? Can you serve through Project Belong that we partner with? Um, Can you help as a foster parent? Can you babysit for some of our parents who have kids? Or we have parents who are foster parents who have lots of children. Could you somehow get involved with some of these? What could you do to strategically serve people with kids. How about being single? Now, listen, I want to say this really clear. You don't ever have to get married. We follow in the Christian church a single savior. So you never, ever need to get married. However, I meet lots of single people who, for some reason, want to get married. And they're very passionate about wanting to get married. Would you consider helping other people, other singles, by praying and by acting, by praying and by acting, to help them you, we know how people tend to get married. You, you, you meet lots of people. You come up with common interests. This is my vision for our new space that I'm so excited about going into the Boston court. I can't wait to get there. I see it as a huge connecting hub. I've lived in this city my whole life and there's never been, to my knowledge, a kind of a cross church lines, a major connecting hub for Christ-like, Christ-minded singles of this city to actually meet, make friends, and have common interest. Could you help that to come to pass? I started to talk to a bunch of our singles about this. How can we create a place where people from all kinds of churches can come together, Christian singles of the DMV, come and meet each other? Okay, look, those are just some ideas. If you want more ideas or you want help getting started, just email me. And say, how could I start? Just email me and we'll come up with ideas. Or maybe you already know some things you could do, but you've got to begin to strategically serve because when you start strategically serving, man, you're getting serious. You're doing what the Magi did. This dream of yours that you have, that you're writing down in the notebook, those are things that need to turn outside of themselves and they're things that you must get strategic about coming to pass. Let's not be the Grinch. Let's not be Herod. Let's not be any of this. Be like the Magi. Let's move west toward a God-directed life. Let's move west towards being strategic. And let's begin to serve strategically other people with a similar dream as you. Because service is the thing. And it's the most powerful drug, probably, that's on the market today. Would you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, there are so many people 
that have so many dreams and God, they just want it so badly and so do you. Lord, show us how we can through your word and through your wisdom, begin to serve strategically to see our dreams come true in 22. Amen.